Welcome to Ryan Rants and Raves, a podcast series by the Quebec government office in New York. Bienvenue à Ryan Rants and Raves, une série de podcasts par le gouvernement du Québec à New York. Today, I'm with Delia Folk, who has great energy, so I'm really happy to be with her and her charisma. We'll, you know, warm up this cold day, and she could give us a little bit of background about who she is, but she is also the co-founder of The Style That Binds Us. Delia, thank you again for taking the time to be with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, and did I forget anything that you'd like to add about the presentation for about you? No, I mean, I I interned at Versace and Wholesale <laughs> and I worked at Barney's on the Vine team. And now I'm the co-founder of The Style That Binds Us, which is on a mission to ensure everyone lives their most stylish and fearless life. Well, I, I think The Style That Binds Us is a great media company as well within the fashion, cultural and style space, because it's like you mentioned, it's styling to live your best life. But then also there's right. a podcast that you guys have. I think you guys have weekly episodes, if I'm not mistaken. So which is great. And then, you know, it, it's a great 360 approach just from what I what I have seen. Yes, exactly. So it's basically a media platform and a consulting agency. So we have the consumer portion of the business with the podcast, the YouTube channel, events, newsletter, blog, all the things. And then my mother slash co-founder is a wardrobe stylist. And then I work with brands as a brand consultant, just like you were saying. Perfect. And I, and I do want to chat about that as a brand consultant. What's really great is because you used to be a buyer within right. the industry. Can you speak about that experience about, because you were at Barney's, if I'm not mistaken, which is probably at that time when you're there, everyone wanted to be there. Can, oh, yeah. can you speak a bit about that experience and maybe some, you know, hicks or pitfalls that you saw brands do while you were working with them? Yes. So that I started my career, I started in beauty and then I was also moved to ready to wear and jewelry. So I got to experience all these different categories within fashion and accessories. And so it was a fascinating experience getting to understand the life and the mind of a buyer because I was yeah. living this every day and also coming from Versace, how do Italians <laughs> say it? The, I under, also understood it from a brand perspective. Yeah. And the selling being, point. Yeah. And the selling point, exactly. Each week. So I, I had the opposite always kind of back in my head of thinking about the brand's experience versus the retailer's experience. So throughout my time there, obviously, I wasn't, I never had. I never thought that I was going to end up starting a company and leaving and all of these things. So it was nothing that was. I was thinking about at the time, but going through, of course, through the years you observe when you're meeting with brands and or once they become your vendor or why they become an exit, yeah. you just really get this very rich experience. And so in 2016, my mom and I each started blogs and then we combined in 2018 to create the style that binds us. Oh. So that's how it happened. And, and then in September 2018, I left Barney's to pursue the style that binds us full time. But one of my favorite things was working so closely with the vendors yeah. and or tasking myself with sourcing the earth to find the latest and the greatest emerging brands to then introduce to the Barney's customer. I was thinking, 
one, I don't want to lose getting to work with emerging brands because that gives me a lot of energy and creatives are so wonderful. Now, also all of these people that would love to be in wholesale or be sold at a store, I could help them and give them basically the insights and the do's and the don'ts and the pros and cons (laughs) of wholesale and all of that. So that's where the brand consulting came from, which is so funny, Ryan, because I'm from Alabama and I I went to William & Mary in Virginia, which is a college, and I majored in business. And the first day we're all sitting in class and everyone is supposed to stand up and say, what they want to like do as a career. So all these people are standing up and they're like, I want to be a consultant. I want to be a consultant. I guess they wanted to work at like McKinsey or whatever. And or I'm EY. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and yeah. And I'm like, what are they talking about? What is this <laughs> consulting that everyone wants to do? And then I end up being a consultant. So anyway, it was just kind of, but fun. still tied to your passion, which is great because oh. the story allowed it to become tied to your passion. You know, like you mentioned, you love scouring, finding new brands and you're still doing that scouring, finding new brands. And I think Barney's was one of the only few retailers at the time. And even it's hard to find a retailer at this time that actually will foster, you know, relationship with a young brand and help them succeed into the market. You know, many other retailers are second, you know, they're not first movers. They like to watch and see someone else pick it up before they pick it up. Yes, exactly. While you were at Barney's, what what would you say? What was the biggest something that might irritate you, like from a vendor, like that they didn't understand from the buyer's perspective, especially from like an emerging brand that's never really done wholesale prior? Basically, they need to understand that it's a relationship. A lot of my yeah. consulting clients or would be consulting clients, it's a funny conversation to have when they're like, "Can you guarantee or can you already like?" From the beginning, let me know what stores you think would be interesting. And my answer to them, interested in carrying my brand, my answer to them is always, that would be like if I went up to a boy at a bar and said, are you going to be my husband? Because if not, I'm not going to waste time on dating you. So they have to understand that this is a conversation between two would-be partners when you are having that initial meeting. I don't want them to go into it saying, oh, praise you, Barney's or whoever it is for meeting <laughs> with me and like letting me be in the store. It yeah. really, they need to make sure that they understand how is Barney's is gone, but I'm gonna, just going to use that as yeah, an example because that was example, my experience. Yeah. But how is Barney's going to introduce them to their clients and like yeah. all of these different questions that they need to ask and understand so that then they can go back and figure out what's the best partnership for them, which retailers are going to make the most sense because you can say, yes, yes, yes. You get so excited. You don't know the costs involved and all these different things. And you could literally go out of business. So, yeah. right. That was one of the things. And then definitely just not asking the right questions. It's like also in an interview, whenever I would interview, I wanted to go in there with the mindset of like, okay, Delia, you have a lot to offer. So you want to understand there are some questions that you're going to want to ask if you're trying to get a job. Uh, It's not just, oh, praise you, Barney's for letting me like work at this company. I want to know, is there growth opportunities? What is the culture Mm -hmm. like? Like, And the employer is really going to like you asking those questions. The the biggest next mistake is when the brand thinks that their job is done, 
once they deliver the merchandise to the store. Yeah. If you disappear, there is nothing that will annoy me more. A lot of brands. Like it's like being ghosted almost. <laughs> it's horrible. One, I'm going to forget about you. Two, I am asked questions from the executive team. I need answers quickly. And if I email you, you need to respond to me quickly so that I can then respond to this person yeah. or you're going to get left out. I'm not going to think of you for initiatives and we're, your brand isn't going to grow. I mean, you're going to be an exit basically if yeah. you just think that you can deliver and disappear and go on your vacation or just not be motivated to work. I have no idea. (laughs) There's a variety of reasons why that happened, but that was one thing that really, really, really bugged me. Well, you know, what I love about your answer too is because it is, it's truly a partnership, especially for, I think on the buying side is, you know, like you mentioned, sometimes you have to report to the executive team. It's all about how your sales are doing your own sell oh, yeah. through of the brands that you decide to come. So if you pick up a brand that A, doesn't do their homework, doesn't know who right. like, they sit next to or right. C, like once you do pick it up, they're just MIA, yeah. you know, that puts you on the hot seat. That, that, could, <laughs> that could cause a sleepless night, perhaps, especially yeah. if you made a larger order. Right. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. Right. People don't understand. Like, yes, I know consignment is a little bit frustrating, but, and the stores are changing definitely how they look at their metrics and everything. But like, that is very valuable square footage. Yeah. Yeah. So both parties, retailer and brand need to be doing everything they possibly can do in order to make that a success. And I think that's the risk of, you know, an emerging brand taking that space from say like a brand like Montclair, which, you know, people buy because they know it or can the goose because they're like, Oh, I, you know, I like it, love it. So, you know, there's less initiatives necessary. If that space is taken from a a brand that no one knows, even it's the coolest thing. It's yeah. It's not impulse buy. So sometimes in my opinion, Oh, for sure. Yeah. I do want to now take a step back and talk about what's important with D to C. And I imagine you're also helping your clients on their digital strategy. Um, why is being um, digital so important now as a brand? You have to have that aspect now. Why would you believe that in your opinion? Yes. So basically having a consistent and recognizable presence, this whole omni channel situation. It is imperative in today's landscape and it behooves you as a brand to do something like that. And so basically you need to create a brand world. I am, since I have my own company, I'm like obsessed with B as in brand of building a brand and walking around New York city. I look at these big buildings and I think like that one day was nothing. And the founder somehow has built it up and created Nike and Louis Vuitton and all of these things. And how over the years have they created this brand? So when the customer experiences your brand, whether it's digitally or in person in the store, newsletter, social media, website, all of this, it needs to be consistent and it needs to be obvious and recognizable and unique. We have to tell people. We have to really spell it out. Unfortunately, humans, their mind, it's like the mind of a squirrel or something. Like the attention span is just quick, quick, quick. They're getting millions of messages and interruptions 
constantly and there are millions of brands. So how are you going to stand out? And so that's one way to do it is to create this brand world. And it's so interesting because the world is so much more global today, as we can tell with coronavirus, how the flu pandemic versus COVID this time, like people are just traveling all over the world. Yeah much more so than in the 80s, for example. So you are able to reach people literally around the globe that you may or may not ever meet, but they are potential customers. And, and I do think, like you mentioned, you, you can't reach everyone and that data that you get, because I, I do think Shopify will tell you, you oh, know, yeah. like, oh, you know, most of my people are buying from, let's say, Washington states. So then, you know, oh, well, maybe I should focus more energy there or find if they want to do wholesale partner with retailers in that area to capitalize on the already established brand recognition um, that's there. Um, And you're right with, um, you know, I get texts all the time now, even for work, like, you know, text DMs on Instagram. It's, it's, it's so to keep my attention span with smart, a smartphone. And I think those who are younger than us, it's even, that's the attention span is even less. Oh, Um, oh, beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's true. So something that's Snapchat, which I don't have because I never got into that or TikTok, which I've never got into. But, you know, that that is part of the new I know, you know, distraction and a new sense of business. <laughs> right. Because it it like it used to be a YouTube video and people yeah. would sit there like maybe six minutes max. But now we're down to 15 seconds is all yeah. people can handle or less. If they don't like it, they're flipping. <laughs> 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 So you really have that small window <laughs> yes. To, yes. to grab their attention. Um, well, you know, to, to continue now, um, you know, since you're really on spot with what's going on in the market, is there any trends that you are seeing right now? Um, what trends have you been seeing um, right now or that maybe even that your mother's clients have been, have been noticing? Yes. So basically... Anything and everything goes. Everything is a trend, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. So it's it's definitely hard to navigate. People are a little bit aligned, but also not because each designer seems to be doing their own different thing. <laughs> Many decades from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and Y2K, for some reason, are very big in different ways. I think it's interesting with Gen Z, since they did not live in the 90s and 2000s, like I guess they were born in the 2000s. So they feel that they're like romanticizing it. It's very nostalgic. So they're kind yeah. of obsessed with that right now. Whereas we grew up during that time. So we are like, Y2K fashion wasn't even cute. Like, why do we need to bring that back? (laughs) That was not a good time in fashion. But anyway, so basically each season, since the same trends are carrying over, which is kind of nice, the designers will bring it back in different ways, you know, so that's always interesting to see how they evolve those trends. But Each season since we've had lockdown, the designers have been so hopeful and optimistic because remember, well, y'all already know this because this is more of a B2B podcast, but basically they have to design so far in advance. And since literally, in my opinion, we almost live in like five date increments at this point because of this COVID situation. So they're 
designing kind of in the dark because they don't know really when the collection comes out, what world are we going to be living in? Yeah, are we going to be in sweats or are we going to be going out? Yeah, right. But each season they continue to be optimistic, most of them, that like it's going to be the big return. So we're seeing a lot of going out, a lot of body con cutouts, bright colors, joyful, optimistic colors, sequins, feathers, all of that. You're also seeing throughout COVID, a lot of people, hopefully, hopefully some fast fashion is going to go away and people are a little bit more thoughtful about buying less and better. And also the artisans and handmade and just bringing it back to that instead of just quick, quick, quick machines, fast, you know, whatever. So crochet, embroidery, the craftsmanship, the artisanal, that's a whole other vertical and trend that we're seeing a lot of. Do you think that hoodies and casual, you know, like cashmere sweaters, do you think those things are going to stay or do you, you know, that sweaters are timeless, but do you think casual wear is going to stay or what, what is your opinion on that? Well, uh, yeah. So during lockdown, consumers definitely have gotten very used to comfort and they yeah. don't want to lose that. So now they really want to be comfortable and hopefully they're wanting to be a little bit stylish. <laughs> so I have so many different thoughts about this, but there's something, have you ever ex- uh, explored Enclosed cognition on this podcast? No, what is that? Enclosed cognition. Yeah, I'll send you. So during COVID, we locked down, we made a visual brand. So how to create a visual brand. We did a webinar and mom also can work one-on-one with clients to do this. But basically it's in the beginning of lockdown, a lot of people, maybe they were just in their sweats or they weren't showering or they were working from their bed. And once you do... Once you do that for a certain amount of time, you hopefully will realize at some point that mentally that's not really so healthy. Yeah. yeah so not basically, at <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So in, in clothed cognition, it's basically what you put on your body sends messages to your brain. So even if you're working from home, if you're going to be working like in your robe or your sweats versus like putting on an outfit, feeling confident, feeling professional, it's about respecting yourself and your job, presenting yourself to the world. That sends a message to your brain. Okay, I'm working now and I'm professional and I'm ready to go. So casual wear during lockdown, I started doing some live stream shopping, hosting, and a lot in the vintage space. And so I was visually revisiting different images throughout the years. And the women, when they were dressed in their hats and their gloves and the bag and the shoe and just looked so polished and elegant and chic, I wish and hope that we can really be thoughtful and intentional with our outfits and help people understand that you have so much power in how you present yourself to the world. You have 13 seconds, if that, to create a first impression. And before you even open your mouth, fashion is your nonverbal communication to the world of who you are. And people are assigning characteristics to you based on what you look like. So they're, how professional are you? Are you seductive? Are you smart, intelligent, talented, successful? All of these different things. So if you show up 
in a sweatsuit and tennis shoes, even if you're a billionaire, I don't really think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're like giving a conference or something like you can put on a suit. I don't know. But anyway, I don't what Ryan, what do you think about casual wear? Well, you know, I, well, it's, it's a kind of an odd uh, example, but you know, when I was a child, like on the weekend, my mom would say, Oh, we're having a pajama day. And that meant I was not doing anything, but watching <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons. Um, yeah. it, was, <laughs> it meant like no chores, none of that. Um, so I, I do think, like you said, it does affect your mental capacity. I mean, that's why I like to go to work into the office because it changes my mindset, my mood. I'm more open to, there's more energy. I'm just really excited to get to the workday. Whereas I stay at home if I'm wearing shorts, you know, I'm like, well, maybe I should do laundry or maybe I should watch television. It, I think it, it really does affect how you're actually going to operate and work your day. So, yeah. and I think it can make you more depressed because, you, yeah. you, you know, no one actually looks like, I don't find someone to look very attractive. They're just wearing sweats. So, and I think a lot of people think better, think that if someone's wearing a suit, they're much more attractive. So yeah. Oh, and that, oh yeah. That, that, <laughs> yes. so, so that I think self reflection of you seeing yourself, if you think you're looking very attractive, that will be contagious to those around you. And, and I think your, your move, your mindset. So I'm in a complete accordance, but I do think, you know, I hope, you know, sweaters can still stay, stay. Cause like, you know, you could dress up a sweater easily. Like if someone has oh, a nice course. cashmere sweater, put on a blazer on top of it, and sneakers, I think sneakers are now you can dress up and down. Oh, no. sure, sure. Another trend is menswear, street, men's streetwear becoming preppy. They're adding a preppy yeah. twist. Uh, yes, I've seen that more and more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that's, a, that's a great point. I like that. I do now, for all the listeners out there, especially because a lot of them are smaller brands who listen to this, what's the best way for someone to connect with you? Like if they're interested in working with you about, you know, creating a wholesale strategy um, or in creating like a digital strategy, how can they connect with you? Well, you're very sweet. Thank you so much for asking <laughs> about that. So basically I work with brands as we've been talking about a little bit to create yeah. wholesale direct to consumer and or marketing strategies. So it is a, I love this process so much and brands, it depends on their business and their goals and everything, but basically be as in brand. Some of them, we need to start there. So we look yeah. at lookbook, line sheets, website, social media, newsletter, blog, all of this in order to make sure the visuals are vetted, the collection is streamlined, ready to both pitch to stores and be super consumer facing. And then also basically the, the store meeting section is super fun because we even have a mock meeting. Meeting, Ryan, you oh, might not know about this, but basically you understand, okay, we put together target lists of retailers. This is how to contact them. This is how to figure out who the buyer even is. This is what to say in the email. And then once you have the meeting, like we were talking about before, the questions to ask, the questions they're going to ask you, because you do not want a deer in the headlight situation. <laughs> Which is horrifying. I know yeah. for the vendor, I saw that so many times. I just felt for them so much. The yeah. presentation do's and don'ts, all of those horrible mistakes that were very avoidable that you get insight on. And then 
post-meeting follow-up, but then you say, okay, Delia, you're a buyer at, you know, whatever their favorite retailer is. And they pitch to me, we go through the simulated meeting, which is super fun. And then the next one is about once you're in the store and, or how to grow your brand. This is the part where you're not disappearing. How do you make sure that this is a very successful wholesale partnership? And then the direct-to-consumer and the marketing is about how do we generate buzz for your brand? How do you stand apart from all the other brands? So so basically, the style that binds us is the website. So you can go on there to the services and learn more. One question I think you were maybe going to ask, but one of the things that they need to be keeping in mind when they're pitching to stores is that, is their brand unique? It's not about just you. It's not like, oh, I want to have a jewelry brand and I'm going to just make it. It has to be unique and it has to be right for the store. What you may or may not understand and what hopefully buyers understand is that it's not what they like. It's what the store, what the customer And their clients. Yeah, exactly. That's who they're buying for. And it has to be something that's not going to cannibalize what they already have. They're not going to obviously get something with the same aesthetic. It has to be something the customer wants and will need. So, so there's just so much to consider. Anyway, so it's a very, very exciting process that energizes me because Ryan, kind of similar to you, you're getting to tap into Canada constantly. I get to talk to brands all over the world. Yeah. So I get insights into what's happening in that country? What is the culture like? What? How do they shop? And then I can tell them, oh, well, this is what it's like in the US or we can devise a strategy per market. So- And I think that's great because you could, you know, if you're chatting with a brand from X country and they're like, well, you know, I sell at X retail, you're like, well, that's not going to work for Intermix. You know, I know you like Intermix, you want to beat Intermix, but it's great for you that you're saying, these are the stores that your DNA speaks to. Because, you know, right. sometimes they may have only never been to, maybe only been to New York and saw Times Square and then they came back. But that doesn't mean that they walk the store and understand, yeah. you know, like you mentioned earlier, the buyer's buying for the clientele that shops at the store, not, right. you know, so you have to go into the store and recognize what does it look like for them to understand them DNAs complement what the store is looking to have in their brand matrix. So, and and at the website, it's easy for brands like, say contact you and then you'll get that email of a brand's like, I want to speak to you, Dilly, about the consulting services. They can easily just go on the website and contact you. you. Yes, my email is Delia D-E-L-I-A at the style that binds us.com. So you can email oh, me. Perfect. Great. You can DM me on Instagram at Delia Folk. So yeah. Perfect. And I'll put that all in the episode notes so it's Thank easy you. to find. But on that Delia, I think you know this was a great time. You know, um we chat a little bit longer, but it's always it was a great conversation. So I loved it all, um, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Merci encore. Same. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Merci d'avoir écouté Ryan's Rants and Raves. Suivez-nous sur Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. Thank you for listening to Ryan's Rants and Raves. Follow us on Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. À très bientôt.